Good morning. It's always so good to gather around God's word together. So let's open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 11. If you didn't bring your Bible today, just reach out and grab a pew Bible. It's fine to use the uh, table of contents to find 1 Corinthians if that's helpful. And let's start with verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives, the message, gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And if you turn back just a page or two to 1 Corinthians 10, I'm going to just get one more verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Just a short verse. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you, God. Thank you so much that you are still speaking to us, that you care enough about us to share your wisdom and your word. But Lord, we know we can't truly understand your word on our own. We need your Holy Spirit to be our teacher. So come again, Holy Spirit, come to us in a fresh way and speak your words to our minds and hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we're back on the river, and there's a lot to do. There's always lots to do. We're headed upstream on this journey of faith. This is our last week together on this journey upstream. And we've got some new items here with us today. I don't know how well you can all see these, but we've got a lantern here because sometimes it gets dark on the journey and we need to see where to go. Somebody's got to hold the lantern out front or hold it up so we can set up camp. We've got um, our food bag here. It's got all our food for dinner tonight in it. We've got our first aid kit. So if someone gets hurt, we can help them and uh, get them back to where they need to be. There's lots to do on the journey. Life is like that too. There's always lots to do. There's always lots of needs, 
lots to do. I was visiting another country once and was um, on a long car trip, and my driver, who had not ever been to the United States, was quizzing me this whole time about what life is like in the United States. And he said to me at one point, what do you think the biggest challenge is or the biggest problem in the United States? And I thought, how, how could anyone answer that question? How could you pick just one? I mean, what would you say to answer that question? And what if it was expanded to the whole global scale? How would you choose? There's so many needs. There's so many people who are hungry or grieving or lonely or addicted or impoverished or sick. There's a lot of needs in our world. There's a lot that needs doing. Our world needs healing. And there's something in each of us that comes alive when we realize that we can be part of the solution. There's something in each of us that tells us we were made to be part of healing this world that God has made us a part of. Something in each of us that longs to make things right. Just a year ago, Hurricane Sandy slammed into the coast of New York and New Jersey. I just read recently that within six weeks of that disaster, over $550 million had been collected. That's an amazing amount of money. And more just kept coming in. And not just the money, but people jumped in their cars and filled their truck trunks with bottled water and sandwiches and drove to the coast. People brought construction crews and helped rebuild, and it's still happening today. The good news is that while we may be overwhelmed with the needs of the world around us, God isn't. And God has a plan for healing this broken world that we live in. And that plan is you and me. Well, to us, that may not sound like the most foolproof plan in the world. God knows. God knows. He has given each of us something special to minister to a world in need of healing. Look again at 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. God has given us something to help this world that we live in. Look again at verse 4. I'm going to read 4, 5, and 6 for you again. Paul says this, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Now, I love it that he makes it so obvious. Sometimes when I read a verse of scripture, I look up and say, I don't know what that means. Well, Paul says the same thing three times in a row here to help people like me to get it. Okay, he says it three times in a row. He says, we're all different. See what he says here? He says there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, different kinds of service. God works in different ways. Oh, okay, I think I'm supposed to notice the word different here. He says it over and over. We're all different. And there's something really freeing about that, isn't there? There's no sense of, 
of which everyone, that, that everyone has to have the same gift in order to pass the test of being a Christian. Everybody gets to be different because God loves variety. When God created this world, he didn't create just one kind of tree or one kind of animal, and he didn't just create one kind of Christian. He gave us this latitude to all be different. No single gift is given to everyone. And also no individual receives all the gifts. If you had all the gifts, you'd be you'd have no need of anyone else. And you'd miss out on something that God also wants to help all of us learn, and that is that we need each other. We need each other's gifts. You've probably watched a soccer game with little kids at some point, haven't you? Like the little seven-year-olds. Bill and I sometimes call it migration ball because everybody migrates to where the ball is, right? The whole, both teams, there'll be 20 kids around the soccer ball. They know they're supposed to play different positions, that some kids are supposed to stay in the back and some are supposed to be forwards, but oh, it's just too hard to resist, isn't it, when you're seven? Everybody wants to go for the ball and everybody wants to kick it in. It doesn't make for a very good game, does it? Back and forth and back and forth. When they get a little older and get a little more skill and learn to play different positions and learn to pass, that's when the game really gets going and gets more interesting, doesn't it? When they learn that life works better, the game works better with different positions. It's the same in our lives, in the church. God has created us to do different things, to have different gifts. But lest we let those differences divide us, look again at these three verses, four through six. He tells us three times we're all given different gifts, but he also tells us three times that what unites us is God, that it's the same God, the same Lord, the same Spirit who gives us all these gifts. C.K. Barrett the great Bible scholar says that unity is found ultimately in the spirit who gives, the Lord who is served, and the God who is at work. That's what unites us. Well, look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. If you're writing notes in the margin of your Bible, the first one might be who? Who? The spiritual gift is given to who? I should say whom, shouldn't I, to be correct here. To given, the, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Everybody gets one. Nobody gets left out. So maybe underline each of us. You could write on top of it, me. Me, everyone. I get spiritual gifts. You do too. Nobody gets left out. So that's the who. And then the why. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Why? So we can help each other. Our gifts are not given to us so that we can admire them and put them up on a shelf. That would be like being given a great, big, wonderful bar of chocolate and putting it in a frame on your wall. Oh, you'd miss the whole point of being able to eat it and enjoy it. I like chocolate, can you tell? Gifts are given to be used, and not used just for ourselves, but used 
to help each other, he says. H.A. Ironside, Ironsides, who was a famous preacher in the last century, says this about verse 7. If God gives me any little gift at all, he gives it to me, not that I may gather people around myself, but he gives it to me for the blessing of others, for the salvation of sinners, and for the edification of the saints. Edification is one of those big 20-cent words. It just means building up, building up of the saints. John the Baptist is a good example of the kind of servant heart that we can all have. John says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And later John says, as he looks at Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. John saw his gift as being one who could point to Jesus, one who would turn people's eyes to Jesus. John found his joy in pointing to Christ and lifting him up. All the gifts that God gives us are given so that Christ may be exalted. Not us, but Christ. So that Christ may be exalted. And when Christ is lifted up, others find a blessing. Others find a blessing. Gifts are given so that we can bless others. Back to our canoe imagery. If we imagine we're on a canoe trip with a lot of other people, we'll probably share some of the load of the luggage, right? We won't all carry all our own food in our own stove and our own tent, but we'll plan to share along the way. If I've got the stove for the trip and it's time to cook dinner and I keep that stove just for myself, your box of macaroni and cheese is not going to be that great for supper tonight, is it? Eating those crunchy noodles, that powdered cheesy stuff, it's a lot better cooked. You need my stove, right? And you may have the food bag. I may need that as well. Each of us is given gifts, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. Just as other people are given gifts for your benefit. This church lives that out in so many ways. It has been such a joy over the last four months for Bill and I to find out day after day, and literally almost every day we find out something more that's wonderful that this church is doing in ministry, that you are doing to serve those around you and use your gifts to lift up Christ. I found out this week that on an average Sunday morning, there are about 110 volunteers working in this building. 110, I think that's an amazing number. About 110 people come every Sunday and work as greeters or in the coffee bar or teaching our children or teaching adults or taking the offering or all different kinds of ways. And then it happens all week long. You volunteer at St. Susan's. You, you come out for Servant Saturdays. You knit prayer shawls and make quilts. And I could go on for the whole rest of the hour just naming the wonderful things that are happening in the name of Jesus, the way you use your gifts. And probably even more important than those organized ways are the spontaneous ways that you use your gifts when you help the single mom next door to clear off her sidewalks from the snow 
you are lifting up Jesus. When you help a neighbor get some groceries, when you know they're going through a rough patch, you're using your gifts to help Jesus. And I hear stories like that all the time. And the good news is, when you do those things, you don't have to do them in your own power. It's a gift. God gives us the gift that we need to do those good things. It's like the first aid kit. If someone gets hurt, I may need to be the one to pull the first aid kit out and open it up and use it, but God's the one who packed everything inside of it, all the Band-Aids and ointments, so that they'd be there when I needed them. God gives us each a gift, or maybe several gifts, to share for, with others. Well, what are those gifts? We've done the who and the why. Now we get to the what, the what in verse 8. If you look down at verse 8, you see that he gives us quite a long list of gifts. There are other lists elsewhere in the New Testament, and they overlap some, and they're different in some ways. You can never quite get a whole definitive list together. I think that's probably telling us that God doesn't want us to worry too much about the details of exactly what's a gift and what's not. God just wants us to be open to whatever gifts God wants to give us to use for others. But let's look at this list that he gives us. It's really interesting. Starting in verse 8, he says, Some are given the ability to give wise advice. You probably know someone like that. When you're in a difficult place in life, you need some wisdom, and you think, I'm going to call that person and just talk it over with them because they seem to be able to see through the clutter and and always figure something out. Wise advice, that's a gift you can share with someone. Some are given the gift of a message of special knowledge, of clear understanding, of being able to see the big picture. Some are given the gift of great faith. That's that simple trust, that childlike faith that says, God is rock solid. We don't have to be afraid. The faith that can see the things that cannot be seen, but can trust that God is going to bring them. Some have the gift of healing. The Bible talks a lot about the power of prayer, that when we gather and pray and lay hands on people, that he uses that. He uses that to bring healing. I've heard testimonies among you in this congregation that that has happened to you, the gift of healing. He gives some the power to perform miracles. I wonder if we would see more miracles if we opened our eyes to see them, if we were more open in our hearts and minds. That's an intriguing one, isn't it? Some are given the ability to prophesy. Mostly in the New Testament, that word prophesy doesn't mean to foretell or to tell the future. It means to foretell, to tell the word of God, to proclaim, to preach, to share with others the word of God. Some are given the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. That wisdom, that discernment, that ability to say, this sounds like the voice of God because I know the voice of God. That's a great gift. 
Some are given the ability to speak in unknown languages, whether that's to speak God's word to people that don't know the same language or to pray in that heavenly language that it talks about in the next chapter of 1 Corinthians. And then the ability to interpret what is being said. Well, as I said, there are other lists in other places, and certainly that doesn't cover all the gifts that God gives, but it gives us a snapshot. And this is really another way that we can learn to read the river. We've been talking about reading the river in this series, heading upstream, and that it's so good to be able to see progress along our way on our spiritual journey, to know if we're growing or not, to be able to say, yes, God, you are working in my life. Well, one of the ways that we can read the river is by looking on the one hand at the needs of our hurting world and then looking on the other hand at the gifts that God has given you and saying, hey, I can see more and more in my life how those two match up, how I've got some unique things that I'm good at, some unique callings in my life that I can use to help heal this hurting world that God has put me in. The mature follower of Jesus believes that he or she has been given a mission. And all that goes for all of us, not just us professional Christians, but everybody. Gordon MacDonald, in his uh, article, How to Spot a Transformed Christian, says this, part of spiritual transformation seems to include a sensitivity to a growing, a growing sensitivity to a call, something out there that needs doing in the name of Jesus. And with that sensitivity comes a capability that's often called a spiritual gift. This passage in 1 Corinthians um, in the message version is translated like this. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. I love that. When we use our gifts, it shows the world who God is. And friends, our world is desperate to know who God is. Desperate to know that God is a God of love and that God has not forgotten us. Every gift, when we exercise it, when we use it to help others, it shows the world who God is. Maybe you came here this morning wanting to escape the problems of the world. Maybe you are looking for a sign to know that God has not forgotten this world, that God is still with us, and that God loves us. Then look at the gifts that God has bestowed on his beloved bride, the church. And look at how people use them. Those are signs of God's love. Those show us who God is. And it's a real source of joy to find those gifts and to use them. There is a deep joy that you find along the way as you begin to use those gifts God has given you more and more. It can be awkward at first. It's kind of like learning to surf learning to stand up on that surfboard. You fall off a lot. It's okay. But gradually, you kind of get the feel. As you get a little more mature in your faith, and you learn to ride those waves of God's Spirit. And there is something so joyful about that. 
James Jackson says, as we continue to walk in the Spirit, God will give us opportunities to work for the benefit of others, both inside and outside the church. And you will start to notice that certain kinds of opportunities seem to come your way more frequently. They come easier to you, and they feel more like a natural fit. Sometimes you hear yourself say, I was made for this. And you may be the most surprised one in the room of all. I was made for this. That's the sweet spot of ministry. If you play tennis, you know that in the middle of the tennis racket, there's a place called the sweet spot. And that's what you want to aim for when you're learning to hit. As we grow in our faith, we learn to aim for the sweet spot in ministry a little bit more. And we learn to find it. And we learn to say, I, I was made for this. I love serving God this way. Not that it's easy. If you watch professional tennis players, they don't look like it's just easy out there, do they? They're working hard, but they found the sweet spot. And that's what serving God with our, our, uh, our gifts is like when we find the sweet spot. Growing in faith means being increasingly aware of your God-given mission your growing call and your growing gifts to meet that call. Sometimes it's called your vocation. Maybe that's your paid job and maybe not. It can work either way. Reverend Frederick Beekner says this. I used to have this quote on the wall of my um, office. The place that God calls you to is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place you're called to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Something that not only makes you happy, but that the world needs doing. God's given each of us a gift to use to serve others. You can serve others right when you walk out those doors this morning by putting together some blizzard boxes. And on some cold winter day in Chautauqua County, Hundreds of people will have a box to take off their shelf when Meals on Wheels can't get through. And they'll open that box up and they'll see a note in there that says, Brought to you with love by Bemis Point United Methodist Church, Christ First United Methodist Church, and a couple other agencies. And they'll see a book of prayers in there and they'll see food to last them for several days. God's love is made visible when we use our gifts to serve others. Well, let me give you a word to write down. Just one little word, and it's a really important word about the purpose of your life. One little word, and it's this. Whatever. Whatever. Remember that verse we read? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever. God, I'm not sure what you want me to do or how you want me to use my gifts in the future, but I'll do whatever you want. Whatever. If you say that to God each day, I guarantee you'll be amazed at what God will do. Whatever. Whatever. Bishop Blake of the Oklahoma Annual Conference told this story. <clears throat> you may remember in 1999, Oklahoma experienced devastating tornadoes, some of the worst that had ever been recorded. Many homes were destroyed and many lives were lost. 
Well, the United Methodists in Oklahoma gathered that spring for annual conference. And Bishop Blake says that their annual conference started with the usual wrangling over budgets and numbers and percentages and allocating resources. He said it went on like that until out of the blue, a group of students from the Lydia Patterson Institute, a United Methodist prep school for underprivileged Hispanic boys in Texas, until that group arrived for a visit. They'd come to Oklahoma to be volunteers in mission for a two-week project. And of that two weeks that they were planning to stay, they had planned monetarily for one day of fun at an amusement park in the area. When they got to Oklahoma, however, they saw the devastation of those tornadoes and they experienced the pain of that loss and their plans changed. These boys, all poor, all without many of the comforts that we would probably say we couldn't live without, decided to give up their day at the amusement park and donate the funds toward the tornado victims. Their gift healed. Bishop Blake says that immediately when that happened, the floor of the annual conference changed. And instead of struggling under the sorrow of a second major disaster in Oklahoma, first the bombing in 95 and now these tornadoes in 99, he says the conference found itself swept up in the joy of giving. The offering that those boys gave that day quadrupled. And then it quadrupled again. Their gift healed. That was a group of boys that said, whatever. Whatever, God. That word is our challenge. And that word is our, our, our hope this morning. It's our challenge and it's our promise. That we've got something in our canoes, each of us. And we can offer it to God to use it however he wants, whatever. God can use it if you let him to heal a broken world. So that's our challenge. That's our promise for this week. Whatever. Will you say it with me? Whatever. Will you say it to God? Whatever. Whatever. We can be a whatever church. A whatever church that lets God do whatever he wants with us. And we can be whatever people. People who do whatever God has in mind for us. Not worrying if we have what it takes. Because we know God will give us what it takes to fulfill whatever call he's calling us to. Because we are using the powerful gifts he gives us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever. Whatever. Will you pray with me? God, we want to find that sweet spot in our lives or that spot of serving you that, though it's hard, we know we're right where we should be. So God, whatever we've got, please use it. Use it to show other people who you are. Use it in whatever way you want today in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen.